This podcast is a presentation of Gateway Fellowship, Paulsville, Washington. Experience community, find hope. Check us out at gatewayfellowship.com. Amen. Well, how are you doing today? Good? Yeah, so we're in week number four of this series from Philemon called Healing Broken Relationships. I don't think I'm far off if I were to say, like, we're in a time right now, especially the last couple years, when when likely we're going to sit um, in one of two camps, right? So either we've experienced a broken relationship, maybe that's where we're sitting right now. It could be with a family member, it could be with you know a workmate, it could be with a neighbor, um, but that's the journey that we're on right now. Or we know someone who is in a broken relationship. So today, um, in part four, we really wanna look at some practical ways that, that we're guided by the Bible to step in to the healing of broken relationships. We're gonna refer to, I'm gonna refer to Philemon a couple times, but I just encourage you to read the book of Philemon. Do you know how long it will take you? About two and a half minutes because it's one chapter, 25 verses, but I will tell you it's packed with um, wisdom and guidance as we kind of follow the journey of Philemon and Omnisimus and how Paul instructs him. So we'll be talking a little bit about that. But there's this little thing that you have um, in your vehicle called a check light, right? So, or check engine light or check light, you know, it, come, it comes on. Everybody has one, right? You, you know what I'm talking about? Okay, it kind of looks like this, right? So it's, it's like located somewhere, check check engine light, and uh, we have probably all experienced that thing coming on every now and then. And when it comes on, it usually means what? Yeah, you need to check the engine. Or you need, in my case, you need to have someone else check the engine, right? Um, who knows what they're looking at. So, but, but the truth is, um, for some of us, when that check engine light comes on, what do we do? You will take a piece of black tape and you just tape over it, right? And now you can't see it problem solved, right? Like you don't have to worry about the check engine light anymore because it's off. Yes? No, it's actually on. It's actually on. And uh, if you've ignored that check engine light um, for very long, the problem gets worse, doesn't it? It gets more expensive. Um, ignore that light for very long, and it's likely going to cost you a lot. And I think that has everything to do with what we're talking about today. You, you may be that person where the check engine light is coming on, and it's the Spirit of God speaking to you, and you've kind of taped over it just a little bit, and you're kind of ignoring it. Yeah, well, that was my experience, and that's part of my story. I'm going to tell you this story because I, I taped over the light. Years ago, um, we have amazing neighbors in our, in our neighborhood right now, each and every one of them, but years ago, um, we had a neighbor um, that I had a conflict with, and I wish I could tell you that I handled it in, a, in the way that I'm going to tell you you should handle it today, um, but I didn't. And I, so I'm going to be honest with you. Um, and I have to say that likely that check engine light came on and I just kind of covered it up. Now, if you know Jen and if you know me, you know that we're animal lovers, right? So dogs, cats, you know, um, squirrels running around the yard. 
Um, we have been known to feed them. Sorry if, you know, um, if you don't or you don't think we should, but, um, but all these, except animals, and I believe animals, not necessarily your pet, but I believe animals will be in heaven, yes? Yeah, I think so. Not, you know, insects, different story, spiders. <laughs> no, I think spiders go to that place where Jesus isn't, you know, so... You know, don't, don't grab me or email me that they're good for the ecology. I hate spiders. Okay, so they go to hell anyway. Um, so, but um, here's my story. So I, I walked up the driveway um, to my house, and I noticed in the, in the um, backyard of a former neighbor, because they've moved on now to another state, there was this trap. And I got into the house, and my wife was really, really upset. Um, we had a cat at that time and a dog. And um, what I discovered was the neighbor was trapping cats, neighborhood cats, and hauling them away. And um, um, so obviously, Jen was upset, and it, it upset me. And I just decided that the only way to resolve this was go have a chat with the neighbor. Um, and so I did. I wish I could tell you. I, I did what we're, we'll talk about, but, but I didn't. And uh, the, I knocked on the door, and he opened the door, and I said, I noticed that uh, you're trapping cats. And he goes, yeah, I don't like them in my yard. And he started to shut the door, and I put my foot into the door. Um, and I said, don't ever trap my cat, because if you do, and uh, it, it got a little tense there for a little bit, and I turned around and walked away. And a little bit later, I think a day or two later, I delivered some paperwork to the family that was trapping cats that basically said, if you do that, um, this is where you're, you're in error. Now, I, I wish that I could finish this story today by saying, you know, before they moved away to another state, um, um, everything was resolved, but it, it yeah, it, it wasn't. And we, we were kind to each other, said hi, and all that, but it was still an, still an issue, because I had done this. Yeah, I had taped, taped over that thing. I think maybe you have a story that's, that's similar to that. Um, maybe you also have a story, and I could share stories too, where God has worked out things in your life, in your relationships, and he, he has certainly... Uh, done so in mind, but I want to talk about today in part four is what are the steps to healing a broken relationship? Not, not ignoring it, not taping over it. So if you're in a broken relationship today, what is it that Jesus is calling us to do? Or if you know someone, maybe you're in a small group and there's someone in your group and you can, you can refer to what we're going to talk about today, maybe to help guide someone who is experiencing that today. Philemon, the book of Philemon, tells the story of a broken relationship. And if you're reading that, I hope, hope that you are. Onesimus has wronged Philemon. Now, we really don't know exactly what happened, but most feel like he probably, probably stole uh, from Philemon, and then, and then he took off. But we know this, Philemon was wronged. Have you experienced that? Um, 
Maybe, maybe you're, you're not the one that injured somebody, but you, you were injured in some way, and so that's why you're sitting in a broken relationship today. Somebody did something. Somebody said something, but the relationship was broken. Uh, maybe it was a material thing, you know. Just a couple weeks ago, we had uh, out of our parking lot here a, a truck stolen, so when the owner came to get his truck, guess what? Well, we had it on camera as it was driving out of the parking lot. He or she came, and, and, it, and it was gone. My son called me up one Sunday. In fact, I was standing in the lobby. He said, Dad, did you come and get the wood splitter? Because I had a wood splitter in his, his barn. I go, no. Well, somebody had come in and stolen it and had never seen it since. And so um, maybe, maybe that's part of your story. So something happened. But Philemon was, was, was stolen from. He was wrong, on an, and Onesimus t- took off. So, two questions, and the first one is this. I wonder if Onesimus um, had a check engine um, light that went off. I wonder if he did when he, when he did that and took off. I, I wonder if Philemon, I wonder if Philemon had a check engine light. He felt the pangs of being wrong. I wonder if that came on for him. And I would just suggest to you that I, I think I think the answer to both those questions is yes, I think so. Why? Because these are real people. These are real humans. We're not, the Bible is not a storybook, right? These are real people. They're not made-up characters, not a fictional story. They're, they're real like you and me, and so we can draw from the wisdom, I believe. I believe the letter from Paul to Philemon emphasizes a point that's really easy to miss, and it's in, in verse number 1. And here it is, verse number 1, uh, chapter 1. Only chapter, verses 1 and 2. Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, and Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and then the church in your house. And so the point I want to bring to you is like this process of reconciling is both personal and it's community. It involves all of us. I find it interesting that Paul included the church or the community. This reconciliation would reach beyond Philemon. It would certainly begin with him, and he was the focus, but it involved the community of faith. We'll talk about that a little bit more next week. So let's jump in, and I want to begin with kind of uh, an assumption, right, that I think that we will all agree on. And here it is. Relational conflict is a part of life. Would you agree? Relational conflict is a part of life. So if you're married, you have probably experienced relational conflict, yes? I was, Jen has experienced relational conflict with me, right? Okay. Yeah, it's just, it's just, it's just part of life, and it's part of family life. It's part of, it's part of church life. It's part of community life, right? So relational conflict is a, is a, is a part of life. But I want to throw another assumption up um, that I think that you may agree with or you may not. Relational conflict is a part of life, yet provides an opportunity. Think about that for a second. Relational conflict is messy. It's difficult sometimes. It takes work, but it provides an opportunity. Now you're going like, well, what, what what opportunity is like a broken relationship going to offer you know what's what's that going to do like you you kidding me so i'm i'm sitting in a broken relationship right now with a family member or work member and you're telling me there's an opportunity there yes i am i'm telling you that because the bible tells us that 
1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, Paul. So whether you eat or drink, right? The, the, the most basic things in life that we need, whether we eat or drink, and I love this, or whatever you do, do it all for what? The glory of God. Now, I, I just envision Paul sitting there um, writing and or dictating and going, doing this, like, okay, so whether you eat or drink, okay, instead of listing all the other things in life, I'm just going to put, like, wh- whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So how you conduct your life, how you live your life in all things, in all ways, do so in a manner that brings glory to God. When you eat, bring glory to God. When you drink, bring glory to God. Or whatever you do as you live out this life, do so in a way that brings glory to him. So what's the opportunity conflict presents? Everybody answer for me. To do what? To bring glory to God. It's a mind shift, isn't it? It really is. So when we begin to think of the spot that we're in right now, Let's think that maybe this is an opportunity that we can give God glory, that we can bring glory to his name as we live out what the, what the Bible says. Now, what we're going to talk about, and if you have your Bibles open, let's go to Matthew um, chapter 18. That's, that's a pretty well-known passage when you talk about, about conflict. Matthew chapter 18, slide down the, to verse number 15. It's coming up on the screen as well. And you can just follow along because here's the guidance that we're going to focus on today. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Now there's a ton going on in those couple, those few verses, couple verses. And we're going to focus in the top part of those verses um, for, for today. Matthew 18 gives us some practical steps as believers committed to a biblical worldview when it comes to resolving conflict. But before we go any further, I, I do want to slide down to this area right here. We're not going to spend time in the last part. If he refuses to listen even to the church, let, let it be to you as Gentile and tell it to the church and so on. Um, what does it mean, tell it to the church? Because I don't want us to kind of get too nervous here because if all of a sudden we were to tell one another's failings to the church, where would we be, right? First of all, we would start with me and we go around. And I, I don't believe that's what the instruction is. Here's what I believe. It's my opinion that the biblical instruction has to do with the influencers in a person's life, not the community of gathering like what we are today. Meaning that there are influencers in my life who I am in accountability with. They're my small group of guys. Um, They're close friends who will help me and correct me, lovingly correct me when it's needed. I believe that's what Matthew 18 is referring to that part of tell it to the, to the church. Matthew 18 is about behavior, how we walk this thing out in our life. It's a guide. It's a biblical 
guide to practically live out to the best of our ability this thing about resolving conflict and healing broken relationships. Like all areas of our life, when we talk about behavior as followers of Jesus, we must understand that our behavior, the way that we live out this life, is driven by our worldview. That's why I always ask, I try to ask it of myself and of of us, what does the Bible say? If we're not careful, our behavior is more dictated by the news channel we watch. And that's not correct. What does the Bible say? When we adopt a biblical worldview and ask, what does the Bible say? Our behavior will be guided by biblical principles, not by feelings. You probably have discovered, like I have, our feelings, right, do what? They shift and change, don't they? So you got up this morning and you felt some way. If if, If there's a conflict going on in your life. Maybe you felt this way, but yesterday you felt this way. Our feelings shift and change. So if we allow this area of broken relationships to be guided by our feelings, guess what? They're going to go all over the place. We have feelings, and we need to recognize that, but how we live them out must be guided by biblical principles. It's not about me. It's about Jesus, and it's about the body of Christ and what he says. God has given us a design, and it frees us from ourselves, provides the basis for healing, and builds relationships. We don't have to figure it out. Aren't you happy about that? We don't have to figure it out. We just need to follow the direction of the Bible. So, if you have experienced a broken relationship, what now? If you know someone, and maybe you're in a relationship with someone who's dealing with this, what is it you're going to say to them? Here we go. And I have, but I have a warning for you. It's not always easy. Uh-huh. It's not always easy. Most of the time, it's not. It takes practice, and it takes commitment on our part. I can imagine um, when Paul sent Onesimus back <laughs> that uh, he must have felt like this is not what I'm going to be doing. I mean, he was away. Um, he had wronged Philemon. Paul says, you're going to go back. And I'm just thinking on the journey back, so much must have been going through his mind. Like, I would just rather to kind of forget that part of my life and move on. But that was not right. And so I'm thinking when he's traveling back, He's doing so with all these feelings and emotions, but with the commitment to carry out the instruction that he had given. I can imagine when when Paul appealed to Philemon, how he must have felt. Philemon, you're going to have to set aside the wrong that took place in your life and, 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 and receive Onesimus back as a brother. So could that have been challenging? I think so. It's not, it's not always easy. It's difficult. But when we follow the biblical pattern... It does what? It brings glory to God. So as we look at the pattern from Matthew 18, what do we see? There are two things that we see, and they're, 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 they're good to, to jot down, I think. Number one, we see personal peacemaking, or this is what I do. And this is where we're, we're going to spend it. Sorry, but all. I found it. We'll fix that for next week. Okay. Personal peacemaking, this is what I do. This is where we're going to spend our time today. 
Um, And the second one, which we'll kind of get to next week, is assisted peacemaking. What do I do when I can't resolve the matter? When do I involve church leaders or those that I trust? And actually next week, we're going to be talking a little bit more of like what happens when it just doesn't work out. I find it interesting that Paul in Romans 12 says this, um, if possible, what's that mean, if possible? As far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. So what's it mean as far as it depends on you? What's that look like? We'll talk about that next, next week. But assisted peacemaking, personal peacemaking, that's where we're going to spend our time. So something, there's something that kind of needs to kind of lay on top of this personal peacemaking, and, and here it is. It's kind of like the guiding principle. We are called to handle conflict at the lowest possible level. Everybody say the lowest possible level. Here's what we sometimes do, generally speaking. We're wronged, and, and the first thing we sometimes do is we pick up the telephone and we call people and we tell them, right? And immediately what we begin to do is begin to raise this thing up to a level where we're not supposed to. We are called to handle the conflict at the lowest possible level, and the lowest possible level instructs us not to include others. When I share with others what's going on, I kind of begin to pull people into the conflict, into the broken um, relationship, and what a friend of mine, Conrad, says, we begin to develop what's called third-party warriors. And so these third-party warriors come alongside of you, and they come alongside of me, and they take up our cause, and something happens. Potentially, we resolve the conflict, but we forget to go back and tell the people that we told all about this over here. And now they're carrying an offense because they like us, and they're kind of coming to our aid. They're third third-party warriors. So we are called to handle conflict at the lowest possible level, but the right question then is, what's the lowest possible level? So that's what I want to give you. I'm going to give you three steps, and you can jot them down. Something I learned years and years ago, I went through training with a, with a, with a ministry called Peacemakers, um, and how to resolve conflict and how to help, help others do the same. So let's talk about that. Three steps. Number one, um, is to overlook the offense, right? So we go like, well, that's hard. It is. It is hard, but it's what the Bible calls us to do if possible, if we can. Many disputes or relational issues are so insignificant that they should be resolved by quietly overlooking an offense. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 11. Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it's his glory to overlook an offense. Overlooking an offense is a form of forgiveness and involves a deliberate decision not to talk about it, dwell on it, or let it grow up into pent-up bitterness or anger. Overlooking is different than denying. I'll talk about that in just a moment. But there are so many of the offenses in the world today. He said this, she said this, they did this, they did that. That honestly, if we just stop and think, We'll just overlook those things. Not always. And actually, there are some times when you should not overlook it. And we'll talk about that next. But, but so many of these things, you and I are called to solve at the lowest possible level. And the lowest possible level is go, you know what? I don't, think he, I don't think he really meant that. I don't think she really meant that. I don't think that was done on, 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 on purpose. So I'm just going to forgive that person. And I'm going to go on. And I'm not even going to deal with it. I forgive them. And we do that 
in our heart. Now, um, if I were to draw a line here and put overlook on this side and deny on this side, here's what I would tell you. They look the same from the outside. They're just, they're just dealt with differently. Because when we just deny that it happened, we're still carrying it. It's still there. We, we just kind of look the other way. And what can sometimes happen is it begins to take root in our heart. When we overlook it, per the Bible, and say, look, I extend forgiveness to that person. Um, I will not dwell on it. We've dealt with it in our hearts. So there's, there's a big difference. So we begin by overlooking the offense. One keeps the offense through denying. One deals with the offense through forgiving. So here's the application question. Here it is. Is this conflict something I can and should overlook? That's the first question. That's dealing with it at the lowest possible level, right? If yes, you are done. If no, go to the second step. So what's the second step? Here it is right here. Um, we reconcile by going. Now, think about Onesimus, right? Onesimus, you are going to go back, right? Philemon, here's what I want you to do, but Onesimus, you are going to go back. So we reconcile by going to that person. It gets harder. I'll give you the application in just a moment. How do you know when you should go to that person? How do I know? It's a simple question, and it's this. Has my relationship been hurt or damaged with this person? This can and does involve resolution through confession, loving correction, and forgiveness, meaning we confess our role in the conflict, if any, and loving correction by extending and receiving forgiveness. So we actually go to that, that person. What would have been right on my part with my neighbor after I messed it up at the beginning was for me to return and say, I want to resolve this. Let's talk about it. I didn't do that. And they've moved to another state. The application question is this. When I see that person, I feel, eh, you can fill in the blank. When I, feel, when I see that person, or maybe hear their voice, there's angst in my heart. There's, you know, maybe something begins to crop up. That's when you will know. That's when the check-in light comes on, and you will know that you need to take the next step and let the Spirit guide. Well, the last one here quickly is this. It's called negotiate. You go like, what kind of word is that? Negotiate when it comes to healing relationships. Well, I think it's the, the best word because the conflict may involve relational issues and material issues. It appears Onesimus was involved in both. So there was a material wrong and there was a relational wrong by, by running away and both would need to be addressed. There are times when relational issues are resolved that material issues drop off. I have seen that happen. I know where that's happened. Other times not, and both will be addressed. So there's a need to go to that person and say, let's resolve this issue in this way materially, and then let's resolve our relational issues this way. Negotiation is done through a cooperative process. In other words, both, both of you are part of the process. Philippians chapter 2, verse number 4, gives guidance in this area. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Jot that verse down because it guides us in this process of negotiation. Here's the application question. Are you ready? Are there material issues to resolve that will aid in restoring a relationship and honor God? 
Are there material issues? And some of you, that's the case. You have been wrong materially. And so there are material issues. Or maybe you're on the other side of, of that, and you've wronged somebody, and you need, to, you need to make that right. This is what the Bible calls us to do. I was involved in a, in a um, resolution of a matter that involved um, in a whole other city, um, um, a conflict between church leaders and <clears throat> a board. And I remember stepping into that. We had met numbers of times, and, and, and the issues, um, I don't know that I would say they were complicated. I would say they were deeply held. And we had met as a team of mediators and conflict, uh, pe- people helping to help others, coaches, resolve the conflict. And I, I remember the last time that we met, something absolutely amazing happened. And it was this. I would just say this, the gospel took root. And what I saw um, was guys standing up with a list of their grievances and taking and just tearing that piece of paper up and going over and hugging the leader of the church. And it just completely broke. The Spirit of God stepped into that moment. And he does, And do you believe that God was glorified in that moment? I believe so. It was a beautiful thing to watch. Does it always happen that way? Not always. Is there a point where you just stop when, per Romans, per Paul, like you've done everything you can? Yes. We're going to talk about that next week. Is there a place where believers are free to pursue legal matters? We're going to talk about that next week. We're going to answer that question next week. But today... It's really about the heart. It's, it's really about stepping into this place of healing in a broken relationship. And Jesus, I just want to honor you. You may be the one who was offended. You may be the one that was wronged, like Philemon. What is Jesus saying to you? You may have been the one that wronged somebody. That check engine light is coming on. What is Jesus saying to you? You may be the one that, like me, you kind of stepped into it wrong, but now you have an opportunity to make it right. Maybe that's you. Or maybe you're in relationship with other people. It's all good on your part, but you're going to help them. And you know, honestly, some of you just live this life of a peacemaker, and you do an amazing job every day. Like nothing phases you at all. Now I say, God bless you. <laughs> Keep on doing it. Lots of us are struggling in this area. But let me just wrap up with this, and then we're going to sing a song, and I'm going to ask us to really take it to heart. She says, here's my heart, Lord. Here's my heart, because it's a heart matter so often. The key to changing the way we deal with conflict is the gospel, the good news that God made peace with us and between us by sending his son to die for our sins. When we believe in Jesus, we receive forgiveness and are united with Christ and one another. God then begins to transform us into the likeness of his son that enables us to break away from our old ways and mature into peacemakers that bring glory to him. And I just pray that that's your heart's desire. Would you stand with me in person here and online? I'm just going to ask you to join, join us in this. We're going to sing a song, Here's My Heart, Lord, Here's My Heart. And let's just lift that to Him. And let's just open up our heart and let the Spirit of God 
Just do his work. Maybe it's healing. Maybe it's the Spirit just saying, like, don't, don't tape over that check engine light anymore. <clears throat> Peel that up. I'm going to lead you and direct you. And together, we'll give glory to God and honor him. Let's, let's sing it together, shall we? Let's worship him.